Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Sean Moran talking UNC basketball today. Sean, I think the last time you and I spoke, Carolina was still in the NCAA tournament. Shortly thereafter, though, they were ousted by Texas A&M. But, you know, I figured that since it has been a while since we talked, we could lead this thing off with just getting kind of your general views on on the season. Yeah, so last time we chatted, it was, it was right before the tournament. And at the time, I uh, was definitely scared of, of Texas A&M. I thought they would have been, uh, it's easy, easy to say in hindsight, but I think I mentioned they were going to be the toughest matchup uh, in the West bracket, uh, even though Michigan is in the championship game. Uh, I still didn't think that highly of them um, and was definitely concerned about Texas's size or Texas A&M's size. But uh, we saw what happened. And I guess, you know, overall on the season, they went 26-11 and got a two seed, which really coming into, into the season, I don't think anybody would have uh, expected. So overall, I was definitely happy with, with how the season went. And, you know, being able to fall back on a championship always, always helps the matter. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've seen how that has gone in 2006 and also 2010 with the NIT year. And, we didn't really know what we were going to get outside of uh, Joel and, and Theo and to have Luke May really step up like he did for the majority of the year. And Cam Johnson really came on as, as well as Kenny Williams shooting. And then you even got uh, some, you know, brief high moments from Sterling and Garrison Brooks off the bench. And obviously I think a lot of people thought Jalik Felton was going to be the, the top freshman and that didn't turn out like everybody expected, but overall I thought it was a good season and, and a two seed and, if they had just you know, lasted to that second round uh, of the tournament, I think everybody would have felt a little better about how it ended. Yeah, definitely. But I felt like that the fan base as a whole, there was that initial wave of disappointment just because you know the way that Carolina lost I and mean, getting blown out like that in Charlotte. But then I really think a lot of people kind of transitioned to, like you said, just looking at the season as a whole. No one really saw a two-seed coming. You had some seniors graduating that were beloved by the fan base. And, you know, I think, honestly, if you had told a lot of people before the season, hey, Carolina will you know make it at least win one game in the NCAA tournament and beat Duke twice, I think a fair number probably would have taken that, honestly. Yeah, definitely. Given that, as, as usual, Duke is the number one team in the preseason and uh, UNC beat them, you know, once at home. So it was, it's always nice to at least get the split. But then again, in the ACC tournament uh, and then. You know, going back to the end of January when UNC went on that three-game losing streak and they're five and five in conference play, and I think people started to worry a lot. But it was really a lot of fun as they went through the majority of February, just really watching them, you know, win six games in a row and and really start to find, uh, you know, find everybody's strengths and and playing to those. And you saw, you know, we've seen Joel for four years, but he really kind of came into that that score, you know, scoring guard at the end and. Theo, kind of that creativity and uh, really going for that triple-double almost every game. So it was a lot of fun just to kind of watch, watch people find their roles and, and really individually have a, have a good season and, as you said, beat Duke twice and, and make it to the ACC championship game. Yep, and you know now everyone's turning to next season, and I think the number one thing that people are excited about is Nazir Little, the five-star 
small forward who had a really great performance at the McDonald's All-American game. I know that hoops recruiting is kind of your your forte area, Sean. So I guess start off with your general thoughts on how Nas looked while he was there at that event. So in the game, he he looked fantastic, uh, winning the the MVP, scoring 28 points, almost getting 30. Uh, I know he had a missed uh, missed dunk early on that that could have got him there. So he looked fantastic in the game, and I know Rob Harrington was at practices, and I haven't been at the practices the last two years. But when I was able to go in Chicago, uh, I always thought how people played in practices was a much better prediction of how they were going to do in the season uh, versus the game where there wasn't a lot of defense. And sometimes you would see things in practice for two or three days and somebody that struggled, all of a sudden the defense lets up and they're scoring 20 plus points and looking really good in the game. But, you know, to go along with Naz's 28 points of just reading Rob's reports uh, from the practices and and seeing how well uh, Naz did in the practices, I think is the most important thing. Um, knowing that for two to three days in front of all the NBA scouts and GMs uh, through the different drills and, and scrimmages that he performed at the top during that time. So to me, I think, you know, Rob's reports really shed light into to how consistent Nas can be. And then obviously uh, only only insiders get to see see those practices and the scrimmage, and then everybody gets to see the game. And for him to kind of show out like he did, I think uh, you know will provide a big momentum boost in terms of of what the Carolina fans are expecting out of him, and and kind of how how he can do uh, next year as either out on the wing or as a small ball four. So you've been following Nas's recruitment for a while, though. Were you surprised at any aspect of his game that has improved maybe more so than what you anticipated maybe a year or so ago? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say his fluidity. Uh, you know, I didn't get to watch him a lot early on, but I watched tapes and got to see him in the summer. And I knew he was a big, strong kind of power wing. But when I saw him in the summer, I thought he was kind of uh, stiff, meaning that he was very much of a straight line driver and didn't have a lot of kind of wiggle in his game. And it kind of first popped out. I was watching one of his his games early on in the season on ESPNU and was able to see some in and out moves and some hesitations and, and drive-bys where I started to say, oh, okay, you know, he's starting to show that or maybe I just didn't see it earlier. And then you watch the McDonald's game and I think we all, everybody remembers one move in particular where he drove on, on Zion Williamson and got him going left and hit him with a step back. And, you know, that move and then one where he caught the defensive rebound, pushed the ball up the court. Nobody was guarding him at the three-point line. He stepped back and hit a three. So just to see kind of that fluidity, to me, was something I really enjoyed and, and something I hadn't really seen early on, as I think, you know, he was naturally always one of the strongest players and to go with his leaping ability. So he could obviously finish down low and, and finish in the paint, but really having that perimeter game where I think he's now a, a true three that can score and shoot from the wing and one that can go down low if, if need be. And let's talk about that a little bit, because his fit into next year's team, I think, is going to be a hot topic of conversation during this offseason. Nas measured at six foot six, but I think he had like a seven foot one wingspan. So I think that's a lot of where you're talking about, where he has that aptitude to be able to play in the post, because even though he may be giving up some height to some power forwards, he has that athleticism and length to, to finish above them. 
do you see him as playing that that prototypical small forward for the team next year or do you think he might you know, see some minutes elsewhere yeah i mean I, I think the great thing is that he provides that that versatility similar uh to theo this year but obviously having a little more size and a lot more strength than than theo you know i think some part will depend uh you know it seems right now that that cam johnson is leaning towards returning but you never know until until that actually happens but you know i think it definitely gives the ability to play a true small forward position but you know for some reason or another say sterling or garrison they don't maybe develop as everybody is is hoping or they get in foul trouble uh, obviously luke may can can play the five we saw him do that a lot last year but i think roy and and both Roy and Luke May would prefer he's he's playing that stretch four and, and not banging banging bodies. Uh, so I think, you know, it gives, you know, one, it, it gives a little bit more uh, versatility on the wing. Uh, two, it can uh, supplant Sterling or Garrison. If they're not playing well, it can put Luke May in the, in the five and put Naz at the four. Or it can give, if Luke needs a rest at the four spot, I think that Naz can slide in there very, very easily. And a lot of the people he's going to be going against are going to be, you know, your Cam Reddishes or Zion Williamson that are kind of this new stretch fours. And I think that gives UNC just a lot more versatility on the offensive and defensive end uh, with his ability to shoot, with his ability to drive, uh, his ability to play in the post, and his and his ability to to guard on the wing and in, and in the um, on the blocks. Now, what about at the potential shooting guard position? Because let's say hypothetically, if Carolina is going to suffer an injury or if someone get, gets into foul trouble, the shooting guard spot is actually pretty thin in terms of depth. But Carolina does have Cam Johnson, like you mentioned, and Naza available. But do you think either of those could play the two or what are your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think they might have trouble guarding the two. Uh, you know, on offense, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll see a lineup of of Kobe, Naz, Cam, Luke, and a, and a big. Uh, so on offensive, you know, on the offensive end, I don't think it would be that much of a problem. Defensively, you know, I could see if it's a small, you know, we're playing against a team with a kind of a two-point guard lineup. Uh, it might be a little bit of an issue, but I think, you know, Naz's versatility will will offer UNC a lot, just like Theo did this year. And if for some reason, you know, Kenny's in foul trouble and, and Kobe's playing the point and, you know, we also have Brandon Robinson and Playtech. But yeah, to your point, uh, Naz, uh, he can play, you know, both on the wing and, and the post and uh, definitely at least make things troubling for those shorter, quicker guards uh, with his strength. His athleticism, I think, will also play a, a big part there. And like you said, I mean, he's definitely got a little bit more shimmy to his game. That's clearly something that he's been working on. But you talked about Kobe White, who was Carolina's other commit in the McDonald's All-American game. But even though he didn't put up the stat line that Naz did, by all accounts, Kobe also had really good practices. And to be fair, the the game itself is not really one that I think he would shine in. But by... The reports that came out, it looks like he was playing off ball, but the plan is to still see what he can do at the point guard spot at Carolina. Is that what you're hearing as well? Yeah, and I think this is kind of a perfect example. He only had, uh, what was it? He had six points in the game, two for eight, uh, hit two threes. So didn't, you know, didn't have that star performance like Naz or some of the other players, but 
I think this goes back to uh, looking at the practice reports and and looking at what Rob had mentioned on the message boards. And by all accounts, uh, Kobe played really well uh, throughout the two or three days of, of practices and, and really taking that for what we can expect out of him uh, going forward. So just kind of keeping it, you know, as Kobe as a scorer and and on the wing, I think how easy he gets a shot off is going to be is going to be great for UNC. He has just such a pleasing shot to watch uh, with how quick it is and how smooth. And you know, we've kind of dissected his game. And as a leading scorer in North Carolina, there's no doubt that he's going to be able to put up points immediately. So the fact that he struggled in the in the actual game is not a cause for concern at all, given how well uh, it was reported that he played in practice. Uh, you know, when we come to him playing point, and that's been a, a discussion on the message boards and that we've had numerous times, uh, I think he definitely has the the ball handling and, and vision to do that. It's just, will that take away from his natural scoring ability uh, next season? But, you know, that's something we'll have to, we'll have to see and, and obviously be patient as, as uh, you know, it's difficult for freshmen, especially freshman point guards to kind of adapt to Roy's system. But, I know Coach Williams is a big believer in, in Kobe, and he does have the ball handling and that quickness to uh, to do that. So even though he didn't play that well in the game, I'm really excited to to watch him play. And I think both players really bring kind of a another level of intensity uh, or kind of a, a high motor that, you know, maybe hasn't been, been brought in the past. And I think they're going to be ready to go from day one and you know, the, the people in the Smith Center at the games are going to have a fun time because I, I feel both both of these players, when they score, do something electric, they're going to be trying to get the crowd uh, up off its feet. Yeah, they definitely both are big-time competitors. And to close out the segment on the McDonald's American game, when you're looking at kind of those days as a whole and, and when you're looking at how Kobe and Naz performed, what were your main takeaways? Did anything surprise you at all, Sean? Or did you have like maybe a preconception about one or both players that kind of changed as you heard the, the reports coming out? Anything like that at all? Um, you know, I think for Kobe, I, just knowing how, how quick he is and explosive off the ball he can be, I, I expected him to do well just with how easily he can create space. So kind of reading the practice reports on on how he did was not, not surprising, just given given his offensive versatility. Uh, you know, for Naz, I know uh, going back a podcast you know, a few months ago, I think Rob kind of compared him to a, a sophomore year Stackhouse, which uh, was definitely high praise, one to to blow smoke. So uh, I was definitely interested to see how how Naz would do, and he was he was able to kind of really continue that progression. So I would say I was surprised that he performed so well that people, a lot of people thought he was the best player in camp. So uh, for, for UNC fans, that's definitely a good sign, uh, especially not, not really getting those five-star recruits the past few years that all of a sudden uh, Naz and Kobe are, are coming in hot. And then you have Black, who I think a lot of people are going to forget about. But uh, ideally, he's going to bring even a different versatility with his size and, and ball handling and passing ability uh, that can keep UNC in contention next year. Yeah, and I expect that we'll be talking more about Leakey, especially over the summer once these guys do get to campus and we kind of get the first reports of them um, practicing against the other guys, doing some of those summer pickup games that are infamous in Chapel Hill. But let's go ahead and close this one out, though, Sean, with some breaking news, actually. 
there was a report that is circulating around that Carolina has reached out to the 2018 uncommitted five-star forward Jordan Brown, who also had a pretty good showing in the McDonald's All-American game. It looks as if Carolina has maybe put out some initial feelers. Is is that what, what you would say as well? Yeah, so based on Sherelle's note, I would, uh, as he did, definitely uh, stress the, the caution on, on jumping Two conclusions on this one. Uh, Jordan Brown, he's uncommitted from California. Uh, he had a great McDonald's All-American game, 26 points, eight rebounds. Uh, and he's a kind of a, a, a big power forward with, with versatility. And as one of the uncommitted players, uh, based on the report, it was kind of basically UNC sending a feeler to him and to his, his father to see what the interest level would be, uh, you know, Right now, he's already taken four official visits, um, Cal, UCLA, St. John's, and then uh, Louisiana Lafayette, which is where his dad went. Uh, so he has, he has one more left, and I know a lot of the other schools, such as your, your usuals, Kentucky and I believe Kansas, you know, they're, they're expressing interest as well. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes, but Right now, there hasn't been any direct conversation, so uh, still still very much in its premature stages. But if it does go somewhere, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, Jordan Brown, really since his freshman year, he's been a, a five-star player, top guy in his class. He's been part of the USA basketball system, playing on the uh, U16 and, and U17 teams. And obviously, we, people saw what he could do in the McDonald's game with the 26 points. It kind of leads to the point of, you know, when they're going through the EJ Montgomery recruitment of where does another kind of, I'd say, true power forward fit, given that Luke May is uh, set, Naz Little can play the three or four, and then you have uh, two and three, two or three big guys with uh, all the upcoming sophomores. So the, the fit remains a question to me, um, as well as to see if, uh, you know, if the camp uh, takes the interest from UNC and, and if a dialogue starts to be discussed but usually you know coach Williams hasn't hasn't seen a lot of him I would think and and kind of going from zero to 100 at this point in the game uh, I would not not place uh, some of the betting chips on that one how does Jordan Brown compare to EJ Montgomery because if you're looking at just their sizes that are listed here on the 247 sports website both of them 610 both of them around 200 pounds but what really separates those two to you Sure. Uh, I think EJ, uh, growing up, kind of had that guard ability. So even though he's he's six ten, six eleven, and he's been playing a lot more in the post this season while while adding strength, um, he has a very, I'd say, fluid fluid jumper from uh, twelve to fifteen, even out to the three point line, and he has a good passer. I know early on there's a lot of Tayshawn Prince comparisons to his game where. Jordan Brown, I think, has always been a true post player. And while he can, you know, run the floor and at times bring the ball up the court, uh, he's more of a, a natural post in terms of defensive and offensive ability. So there's definitely similarities in body type, but a lot of differences in terms of, of style of play where uh, Jordan Brown is going to get a lot more of his points around the basket or within 15 feet um, than EJ Montgomery might do. Hmm. That's interesting to hear because, yeah, if, if you're just going off of their sizes, a lot of people may just jump, jump to the conclusion that 
they are very similar, but I I did not know that EJ had that guard first type of mentality. But you know, I mean, even, to be um, John, uh-huh, just one ahead. thing. I mean, even I'm kind of remembering back, and this is going uh, 20, 2014, I guess. So back when these guys were just entering their their freshman year, they hadn't even played high school basketball, and they're at the USA basketball camp in Colorado Springs, and even at that point, you know, Jordan Brown was you know, on offense, they're, they're going down the court and he was naturally going to the low block and was always floating around on the perimeter. And over the last, over the last four years, EJ Montgomery has added strength. So he's been able to go down in the block, but his natural tendency is to kind of float on the perimeter where Jordan Brown, he has been able to add some of that perimeter game and, and some of that uh, versatility. But I think his natural tendency is to that low block first um, and then outside versus EJ who might be outside and then inside. Hmm. Well, and, and I think as you saw with the season that Luke May had, Roy Williams is, is obviously comfortable with having both of those guys, you know, at that four, potentially filling the, the five spot. Um, and I think that speaks a lot to just to, to the style of offense that the Roy Williams runs and how sophisticated it really is. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I know I talked about fit and not really seeing where um, Jordan Brown might fit in, but at the same time, you know, just getting a, a five-star player and getting another talented piece, you know, because we saw this year uh, in the Michigan State game and even the Texas A&M game, uh, there's definitely a a little bit of a, a separation in, in talent on the court, and and usually that's not something you see at UNC when you're playing a Big Ten or a SEC team, but. All of a sudden, it was Michigan State and Texas A&M with the lottery picks and that kind of elite athleticism. So it definitely doesn't hurt to add another five-star player to the mix, especially a big guy, given, obviously, Luke May, he's set in his situation and and should be another first-team all-ACC player. But while everybody's expecting Manley and Garrison uh, to make a, a big jump, that's not a foregone conclusion. So really just having that extra depth would be would be really big and really important uh, next season. Absolutely. Well, thanks for, for talking to me, Sean. Now, what's coming up on your website, seanmohoops.com? Yeah, uh, excited to uh, announce that I'll be interviewing C.B. McGrath this week about his first year at, at UNC Wilmington, along with uh, hopefully some, some UNC tidbits in there. So hopefully that'll be coming out Tuesday or Wednesday. And then going forward, the, the live recruiting period starts April 20th. Uh, so I will be in Dallas for that kind of tracking and monitoring to see who who UNC is looking at. And, and hopefully we'll have some good information to report after that weekend. Which uh, shoe affiliation is that one with, to put it in simple terms? <laughs> sure. So <laughs> both uh, Nike and Under Armour will be in the Dallas area. Uh, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of jumping around. And Adidas is having more localized events, which... Unfortunately, it seems like a decent amount of UNC's targets are on the Adidas circuit. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where Coach Williams and the staff are, are spending spending their time. But it's always fun in the first session to see, you know, who are the who are the players, who are the upcoming seniors that are going to get the most attention from Coach Williams going forward. Awesome, Sean. Well, hey, man, we'll look to, to get you back on the podcast and to talk about all that, especially since you'll be there getting that firsthand reporting in. But um, again, really appreciate it, man, and have a good one. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. 
your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.